Saint Bartholomew's Eve by G. A. Henty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Read by Anna Christensen. Chapter Ten: The Queen of Navarre. The sun had just risen when Major Bertram, accompanied by four men in the attire of peasants, went down to the port. Two of them wore steel caps and had the appearance of discharged soldiers. The other two looked like fresh countrymen and wore the low caps in use by the peasantry on their heads, carrying steel caps slung by cords from their shoulder. All four had swords stuck into their leathern belts. Similar groups and hundreds might have been seen all over France, making their way to join the forces of the contending parties. The craft upon which the traitor led them was a small one of four or five tons burden, manned by three men and a boy. You understand, Johann, if you meet with no interruption, you will land your passengers at the mouth of the Soudre. But if you should come across any of the craft that have been hovering about the coast, and find that they are too fast for you, put them ashore wherever they may direct. If you are too hotly chased to escape after landing them, you had best also disembark and make your way back by land, as best you can, leaving them to do what they will with the boat. As like as not they would cut your throats did they take you, and if not, would want to know whom you had landed and other matters. I do not want to lose the craft, which has done me good service in her time, and is a handy little coaster, but I would rather lose it than that you should fall into the hands of their Bordeaux boats and get into trouble. The fact that you made for sure to land passengers would be sufficient to show that those passengers were of some importance. Now good luck to you, Master Philip. I trust to see you back here again before long. They kept straight out from La Rochelle to the Isle of Olero and held close along to its shore lest boats coming out from the Charente might overhaul them. From the southern end of the island it was only a run of some eight miles into the mouth of the Soudre. A brisk wind had blown, and they made the forty miles voyage in seven hours. They could see several white sails far to the south as they ran in, but had met with nothing to disquiet on the way. They were rowed ashore in the little boat the craft carried, and landed among some sand hills, among which they at once struck off and walked briskly for a mile inland, so as to avoid any questioning from persons they might meet as to where they had come from. Jacques and his brother carried bags slung over their shoulders, and in these was a store of food with which the merchant had provided them, and two or three flasks of good wine, so that they might make a day's journey at least without having to stop to purchase food. It was two o'clock when they landed, and they had there for some five hours of daylight, and before this had faded they had passed Royan, situated on the Gironde. They did not approach the town, but keeping behind it came down upon the road running along the shore three miles beyond it, and walked along it until about ten o'clock, by which time all were thoroughly tired with their unaccustomed exercise. Leaving the road, they found a sheltered spot among the sand hills, ate a hearty meal, and then lay down to sleep. They were afoot again at daylight. The country was sparsely populated. They passed through a few small villages, but no place of any importance, until, late in the afternoon, they approached Blaye after a long day's tramp, as they thought that here they might learn something of the movements of the large body of Catholic troops Philip had heard of as guarding the passage of the Dodogne. They determined to enter the town. They passed through the gates half an hour before they were closed and entered a small cabaret. Here, calling for some bread and common wine, they sat down in a corner and listened to the talk of the men who were drinking there. It was all about the movements of troops and the scraps of news that had come in from all quarters. I don't know who they can all be arming against, one said. The Queen of Navarre has no troops, and even if a few hundreds of Huguenots joined her, 
what could she do as to conde and the admiral they have been hunted all over france since they left noyers they say they hadn't fifty men with them it seems to me they are making a great fuss about nothing i have just heard a report a man who had two or three minutes before entered the room said to the effect that they arrived four days since at la rochelle with some five or six hundred men who joined them on the way an exclamation of surprise broke from his hearers then we shall have trouble one exclaimed la rochelle is a hard nut to crack in itself and if the prince and the admiral have got in the huguenots from all the country round will rally there and may give a good deal of trouble after all what can the catholic lords have been about that they managed to let them slip through their hands in that way they must have seen for some time that they were making for the one place where they would be safe unless indeed they were making down for navarre that would account for the way in which all the bridges and fords across the rivers are being watched i expect they are watching both ways another said these huguenots always seem to know what is going on and it is likely enough that while our people all thought that conde was making for germany there was not a huguenot throughout france who did not know that he was coming west to la rochelle and if so they will be moving in all directions to join him there and that is why descartes has got such a force at all the bridges i heard from a man who came in yesterday that the Lowe's is watched just as sharply from the garonne through cahors right on to espion and he heard that at aguet and along the Road the troops hold the bridges and fords as if they expected an enemy no doubt as soon as they heard that conde and his party are in la rochelle they will close round them and catch them in a trap that will be as good as any other way and save much trouble it is a long chase to catch a pack of wolves scattered all over the country but one can make short work of them all when you get them penned up in an enclosure philip cast a warning glance at his companions for he felt so inclined to retort himself that he feared they might give way to a similar impulse jacques and his brother however were munching their bread stolidly while Pierre was looking at the speaker with a face so full of admiring assent to his remark that philip had to struggle hard to repress a laugh it must be owned another of the group said that these wolves bite hard i was in paris last year with the count de cassol well we laughed when we saw the three parties of white wolves ride out from st denis but i tell you there was no laughing when they got among us we were in the constable's troop and though as far as i know we were all pretty stout men-at-arms and were four to one against them at least we had little to boast of when the fight was over at any rate i got a mark of the wolves teeth which has put a stop to my hunting as you see and he held out his arm i left my right hand on the field of battle it was in the fight round conde a young huguenot for he was smooth-faced and but a youth shredded off with a sweeping back-handed blow as if it had been a twig so there was no more wolf-hunting for me but even if i had my right hand back again i should not care for any more such rough sport as that philip congratulated himself that he was sitting with his back to the speaker for he remembered the incident well and it was his arm that had struck the blow his visor had been up but as his face was shaded by the helmet and cheek-pieces and the man could have obtained but a passing glance at him he felt sure on reflection that he would not be recognized ah oh, well we shall do better this time the first speaker said we are better prepared than we were then and except la rochelle and four or five small towns every place in france is in our hands i expect the news will be that the prince and coligny and the others have taken ship for england then when that pestilent queen of navarre and her boy are in our hands the whole thing will be over and the last edict will be carried out and each huguenot will have the choice between the mass and the gallows well 
I will have one more stoop of wine, and then I will be off, for we march at daybreak. How many ride out with you? The man who had lost his hand asked. A hundred. The town has voted the funds, and we march to join Descartes tomorrow. I believe we are not going to Perigueux, but are to be stationed somewhere on the lower Derogne to prevent any of the Huguenots from the south making their way to Lord's La Rochelle. The frequenters of the cabaret presently dropped off. Jacques, who acted as spokesman, had on entering asked the landlord if they could sleep there, and he said there was plenty of good hay in the loft over the stable. As his duties were now over, he came across to them. "'Which way are you going, lads?' he asked. "'Are you bound, like the others, to join one of the lords on the Deragne?' "'No,' Jacques said. "'We are bound for Auguet. We come from near there.' "'I thought your tongue had a smack of Gascon in it.' "'Yes, we came from across the border. We are tired of hard work in the vineyards, and are going to take up with our own trade, for my comrade here and I served under de Brissac in Italy.' We would rather enlist under our own lord than under a stranger. Yes, that I can understand, the landlord said. But you will find it no easy work traveling at present, when every bridge and fort across the rivers is watched by armed men, and all who pass are questioned sharply as to their business. Well, if they won't let us pass, Jacques said carelessly, we must join some leader here, though I should like to have had a few days at home first. Your best plan would have been to have gone by boat to Bordeaux. There has been a strong wind from the west for the last three days, and it would save you many a mile of weary tramping. That it would, Jacques said. But could one get a passage? There will be no difficulty about that. There is not a day passes, now that the wind is fair, that three or four boats do not go off to Bordeaux with produce from the farms and vineyards. Of course, you wouldn't get up without paying. Of course, you wouldn't get up without paying. "'But I suppose you are not without something in your pockets. Uh, "'There is a cousin of mine, a farmer, who is starting in the morning, "'and has chartered a boat to carry his produce. "'If I say a word to him, I have no doubt he would give the four of you a passage for a crown.' "'What do you say, my comrades?' Jacques said. "'It would save us some thirty or forty miles walking, "'and perhaps some expense for ferries. "'To say nothing of trouble with the troops, "'who are apt enough, moreover, to search the pockets of those who pass.' "'I think it would be a good plan,' his brother replied, and the other two also assented. "'Very well, then,' the landlord said. "'My cousin will be here in the morning, for he was going to leave two or three barrels of last year's vintage with me. "'By the way, I dare say he will be easy with you as to the passage money, "'if you agree to help him carry up his barrels to the magazines of the merchants he deals with, "'and aid him with his other goods. "'It will save him from having to employ men there.' and those porters of Bordeaux know how to charge pretty high for their services. I will make you up a basket for your journey. Shall I say a bottle of wine each and some bread, and a couple dozen eggs, which I will get boiled hard for you? That will do well, landlord, Jacques said. And we thank you for having put us in the way of saving our legs tomorrow. What time do you think your cousin will be in? He will have his carts at the gate by the time they open them. He is not one to waste time. Besides, every minute is of importance. For with this wind he may well hope to arrive in Bordeaux in time to get his cargo discharged by nightfall. That was a lucky stroke indeed, Philip said when they had gained the loft, and the landlord, having hung up a lantern, had left them alone. Half our difficulties will be over when we get to Bordeaux. I had begun to fear, from what we heard of the watch they are keeping at the bridges, that we should have found it a very difficult matter at crossing the rivers. 
one side of bordeaux the Ciro is the only stream we shall have to cross and that is but a small river and is not likely to be watched for no one making his way from the south to la rochelle would keep to the west from the garonne they were downstairs by six had a meal of bread and spiced wine and soon after seven there was a rumble of carts outside and two of them stopped at the cabaret they were laden principally with barrels of wine but in one the farmer's wife was sitting surrounded by baskets of eggs fowls and ducks and several casks of butter three of the casks of wine were taken down and carried into the house the landlord had a chat apart with his cousin who then came forward to where they were sitting at the table my cousin tells me that you want to go to bordeaux and are willing to help load my boat and to carry the barrels to the warehouse at bordeaux in return for a passage well i agree to the bargain the warehouse is not very far from the wharf but the men there charge an extortionate price we will do your work jacques said but how am i to know that when you land you will not slip away without fulfilling your share of the bargain the farmer asked you look honest fellows but soldiers are not gentry to be always depended upon i, I mean no offence but business is business you know jacques put his hand in his pocket here is a crown he said i will hand it over to you as earnest if we do not do your work you can keep that to pay the hire of the men to carry your barrels that is fair enough the farmer said pocketing the coin now let us go without delay the landlord had already been paid for the supper of the night before the lodging and the contents of the basket and without more words they set out with a cart to the riverside here the boat was in waiting and they at once set to work with the drivers of the two carts to transfer their contents into it as they were as anxious as a farmer that no time should be lost they worked hard and in a quarter of an hour all was on board they took their places in the bow the farmer his wife and the two boatmen being separated from them by a pile of barrels the sail was at once hoisted and as the west wind was still blowing strongly blayet was soon left behind this is better than walking by a long way philip said we are out of practice and my feet are tender from the tramp from the coast it would have taken us two days to get to bordeaux even if we had had no trouble in crossing the dordogne and every hour is of importance i hope we may get out of the city before the gates close then we shall be able to push on all night they passed several islands on their way and after four hours run saw the walls and spires of bourg where the dordogne unites with the garonne to form the great estuary known as the gironde at three o'clock they were alongside the wharves or bordeaux they stowed away their steel caps and swords and at once prepared to carry up the barrels do you make an excuse to move off master pierre said we three will soon get these barrels into the store and it is no fitting work for you honest work is fitting work pierre and methinks that my shoulders are stronger than yours i have had my sale and i am going to pay for it by my share of the work the store was nearer than philip had expected to find it a wide road ran along by the river bank and upon the other side of this was a line of low warehouses all occupied by the wine merchants who purchased the produce of their vineyards from the growers and after keeping it until matured supplied france and foreign countries with it several ships lay by the wharves some were bound for england others for holland some were freighted for the northern parts of france and some of smaller size for paris itself several men came up to offer their services as soon as the boat was alongside and these when they saw that the owner of the wines had brought men with them who would transport the wine to the warehouses indulged in some rough jeers before moving away in the first place philip and his companions aided by the boatmen carried the cargo ashore while the farmer crossed the road to the merchant with whom he dealt 
His store was not more than fifty yards from the place of landing, and as soon as he returned, the work began. In an hour and a half, the whole of the barrels were carried over. The farmer's wife had seen to the carriage of her portion of the cargo to the inn her husband frequented on these occasions. It was close to the marketplace, and there she would, as soon as the market opened in the morning, dispose of them, and by nine o'clock they would be on board again. When the last barrel was carried into the store, the farmer handed Jacquie the crown he had taken as pledge for the performance of the bargain. You are smart fellows, he said, and nimble. The same number of these town fellows would have taken double the time that you have done, and I must have had six at least to have got the wine safely stored before nightfall. We are well contented with our bargain, Jacquie said. It is better to work hard for two hours than to walk for two days. So good day to you, master, for we shall want to get on our way at once, and do not want to spend our money in the wine shops here. Possessing themselves of their steel caps and swords again, they made their way through the busy town to the south gates, through which a stream of peasants with carts, horses, and donkeys was passing out, having disposed of the produce they had brought in. Where are you bound to, you two with steel caps? the officer at the gate asked. Jacquie and his brother paused, while Philip and Pierre, who had stowed their caps in the bundles they carried, went on without stopping, as it had previously been agreed that in case of one or more of his followers being stopped, Philip should continue his way, as it was urgent that he should not suffer anything to delay him in the delivery of his message. He waited, however, a quarter of a mile from the gates, and the two men then rejoined him. "'We had no difficulty, sir,' Jacquie said. "'We said that we had once served,' and were going to do so again, having grown sick working in the vineyards, and that we had come up from Blaye with a cargo of wine, and had taken our discharge, and were now bound for Algay to see our families before joining a force, before joining the force that the Viscount de Rouloc, under whom our father held a farm, would no doubt be putting in the field. That was sufficient, and he let us go on without further question, except that he said that we should have done better by going up Sainte or Cognac, and taking service with a force there, instead of making this long journey up to Algay. They walked steadily on until, when it was nearly midnight, they arrived at a small village on the banks of the Ciro. As the inhabitants would have been in bed hours before, they made up their minds not to attempt to find a shelter there, but to cross by the bridge and sleep in the first clump of trees they came to. As they approached the bridge, however, they saw a fire burning in the center of the road. Two men were sitting beside it, and several others lay round. Soldiers, Philip said, it would not do to try to cross at this time of night. We will retire beyond the village and wait until morning. They turned off into a vineyard as soon as they were outside the village, and lay down among the vines that had some weeks before been cleared of their grapes. How far does this river run before it becomes fordable, Jacquie? I do not know, sir. There are hills run along in a line with the Garonne some ten or twelve miles back, and I should say that when we get there we shall certainly find points at which we might cross the stream. That would waste nearly a day, and time is too precious for that. We will go straight on in the morning. Our story has been good enough this far. There is no reason why it should not carry us through. Accordingly, as soon as the sun was up, they entered the village and went into a cabaret and called for wine and bread. You are traveling early, the landlord said. Yes, we have a long tramp before us, so we thought we had better perform part of it before breakfast. These are busy times. Folks are passing through one way or the other all day. It is not for us innkeepers to grumble, but peace and quiet are all we want about here. These constant wars and troubles are our room. The growers are afraid to send their wine to market, for many of these armbands are no better than brigands, and think much more of robbing and plundering than they do of fighting. I suppose by your looks you are going to take service with some lord or other? 
Jacques repeated the usual tale. Well, well, every man to his liking, the landlord said. But for my part, I can't think what Frenchmen want to fly at each other's throats for. We have got thirty soldiers quartered in the village now, though what they are doing here is more than I can imagine. We shall be glad when they are gone, for they are a rough lot, and their leader gives himself as many airs as if he had conquered the place. I believe they belong to a force that is lying at Bozet, some five leagues away. One would think that the Queen of Navarre had got a big Huguenot army together and was marching north. I should not think she could raise an army, Philip said carelessly, and if she is wise she will stop quietly down in Bern. There is a rumor here, the landlord said, that she is at Narac, with only a small party of gentlemen, and that she is on her way to Paris to assure the king that she has no part in these troubles. I don't know whether this has anything to do with the troops, who, as I hear, are swarming all over the country. They say that there are fifteen hundred men at Argenne. I am afraid we shall trouble at this bridge, Philip said, as the landlord left them. They seem to be a rough lot, and this truculent lieutenant might not be satisfied with a story that his betters would accept without question. We will ask our host if there is any place where the river can be forded without going too far up. We can all swim, and as the river is no great width, we can make a shift to get across even if the ford is a bad one. The landlord presently returned. Jacques put the question. By your account of those fellows at the bridge, we might have trouble with them? As like as not, the landlord said. They worry and vex all who come past, insult quiet people, and have seized several who have happened to have no papers of domicile about them and sent them off to Bazaar. They killed a man who resented their rough usage two days ago. There has been talk in the village of sending a complaint of their conduct to the officer at Bazaar, but perhaps he might do nothing. And if he didn't, it would only make it the worse for us. Well, we don't want troubles, Jacques said. And therefore, if we could pass the river without having to make too wide a detour, we would do so. Do you know of any fords? Yes, there are two or three places where it can be crossed when the water is low. And as there has been no rain for some weeks past, you will be able to cross now easily enough. There is one four miles higher up. You will see a clump of willow trees on the side of the river and there is a pile of stones some five feet high on the other side. You enter the river close by the trees, and then keep straight for the pile of stones, which is some fifty yards higher up, for the ford crosses the river at an angle. Well, we will take that way, then, Jacques said. It is better to lose an hour than to have trouble here. An hour later, the party arrived at the ford and crossed it without difficulty, the water being little above their waists. Some miles farther they saw ahead of them the towers of Bazaar, and struck off from the road they were traversing to pass to the east of it. They presently came upon a wide road. This must be the road to Narak, Philip said. There are neither rivers nor places of any side to be passed now. The only danger is from bodies of horse watching the road. And if I mistake not, sir, there is one of them approaching now, Pierre said, pointing ahead. As he spoke, the heads and shoulders of a body of horsemen were seen as they rode up from a dip the road made into a hollow half a mile away. Philip glanced round. The country was flat, and it was too late to think of concealment. We will go quietly on, he said. We must hope they will not interfere with us. The troop consisted of some twenty men, two gentlemen riding at their head, and as they came up they checked their horses. Whither come ye, and where are you bound? We come from Bordeaux, sir, and we are bound for Auguet, Jacques replied. My comrade and I served under de Brissac when we were mere lads, and we have a fancy to try the old trade again, and our young cousins also want to try their mettle. 
"'You are a Gascon by your tongue?' "'That is so,' Jacques said. "'And it is for that reason we are going south. "'We would rather fight in a company of our own people than with strangers.' "'Whom have you been serving at Bordeaux? "'I am from the city, and know most of those in and round it.' "'We have not been working there, sir.' We came from near Blayet, and made the journey thence to Bordeaux, by a boat with our master, Jacques Blasy, who was bringing to Bordeaux a cargo of his wines. "'Why waste time, Raoul?' the other gentleman said impatiently. "'What matter if they come from Bordeaux or Blayet? These are not of those whom we are here to arrest. Anyhow, they are not Huguenot lords, but look what they say they are. But whether men-at-arms or peasants, they concern us not.' Maybe while we are questioning them, a party of those we are in search of may be traversing some other road. Let us be riding forward. He roughly pricked his horse with his spur, and the troop rode on. I think you were wrong to be so impatient, Louis, the one who had acted as interrogator said. Anyone could see with half an eye that those two fellows were, as they said, old men-at-arms. There was a stiffness and a straightness about men who have been under the hand of the drill sergeant, and I could swear that fellow was a Gascon, as he said. "'but I am not so sure as to one of the young fellows with him. "'I was about to question him when you broke in. "'He did not look to me like a young peasant, "'and I should not be at all surprised if he is some Huguenot gentleman "'making his way to Nairoc with three of his followers.' "'Ah, well, if it was so, Raoui, "'he would not swell the Queen's army to any dangerous extent. "'I am glad you didn't ask him any questions, "'for if he declared himself a Huguenot, "'and to do them justice the Huguenots will never deny their faith.' I suppose it would have been our duty to have fallen upon them, and slaughtered them, and though I am willing enough to draw when numbers are nearly equal, and it is a fair fight, I will take no part in the slaughter of men when we are twenty to one against them. Three or four men, more or less, at Nerac will make no difference. The Queen of Navarre has but some fifty men in all, and whenever the orders come to seize her and her son, it may be done easily enough whether she has fifty or a hundred with her. War is all well enough, Roe. But the slaughtering of solitary men is not an occupation that suits me. I am a good Catholic, I hope, but I abhor these massacres of defenseless people only because they want to worship in their own way. I look to the Pope as the head of my religion on earth, but why should I treat as a mortal enemy a man who does not recognize the Pope's authority? That is dangerous doctrine, Louis. Yes, but why should it be? You and I were both at the colloquy at Boissy and we saw that the Cardinal of Lorraine and all the bishops failed totally to answer the arguments of the Huguenot minister Biza. The matter was utterly beyond me, and had Biza argued ten times as strongly as he did, it would no way have shaken my faith. But I contend that if Lorraine himself and the bishops could not show this man to be wrong, there can be nothing in these people's interpretation of scripture that can be so terrible as to deserve death. If they become dangerous to the state, I am ready to fight against them as against any other enemies of France. But I can see nothing that can excuse the persecutions and massacres. And if these men be enemies of France, of which as yet no proof has been shown, it is because they have been driven to it by persecution. Louis, my cousin, the other said, it is dangerous indeed in these days to form an opinion. You must remember our great statesman, Le Hopital, has fallen into some disgrace and has been deprived of rank and dignity because he has been an advocate of toleration. I know that, Rui, but I also know there are numbers of our nobles and gentlemen who, although staunch Catholics, are sickened at seeing the king acting as a tool of Philip of Spain and the Pope, and who shudder as I do at beholding France stained with blood from end to end simply because people choose to worship God in their own way. You must remember that these people are not the ignorant scum of our towns, 
but that among them are a large number of our best and wisest heads. I shall fight no less staunchly when fighting has to be done, because I am convinced that it is all wrong. If they are in arms against the king, I must be in arms for him. But I hope, none the less, that when arms are laid down, there will be a cessation of persecution, at any rate a cessation of massacre. It is bringing disgrace on us in the eyes of all Europe, and I trust that there may be a league among us to withstand the Guises, and to insist that there shall be in France no repetition of the atrocities by which Philip of Spain and the Duke of Alva are trying to stamp out the Reformed religion in the Netherlands. Well, I hope at any rate, Louis, his cousin said impatiently, that you will keep those opinions to yourself, for assuredly they will bring you into disgrace, and may even cost you your possessions and your head if they are uttered in the presence of any friend of the Guises. End of chapter 10